Welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. How are you today? I'm well, actually. I've had four days off work, so I'm feeling very, very rested. How are you? I'm all right. It's not even a bank holiday or anything. You've just been given days off. It's great, isn't it? Modern companies just like to give people time off, apparently. So long may it continue. Wasn't one of them just like a wellness day so you can just think about the world? Yep. Everyone in the company got given a wellness day just to think about their mental health a little bit. And I, I didn't. I, had, I think I woke up with a headache. So if anything, it was a bad day. So luckily, I had the day off. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like, it's such a modern company vibe. I like it. I mean, I work yeah. for a company that's just like, we can have Christmas Day off, um, but that's only because we have to. I mean, yeah. I, I've got, I'm not going to lie. I've lucked out with my roaster over Christmas. I'm barely in. I'm in all this week, but then pretty much not again. But it's weird. In January, we're having like this setting our targets for 2023 meeting with the whole company they've hired out a cinema and we're all just going to the cinema that's hell i mean it's mad wow well there there you go um yeah no we're all good we're all good it's the run-up to christmas christmas songs are everywhere at the moment um i have you have you done your christmas shopping i've literally all my presents are wrapped behind me they're done i got it sorted so early this year very good i'm proud of myself because i knew that raw mail's been dickhead so i've got on it quick dickheads they want more pay dickheads <laughs> i mean okay I, I support the strike but it's inconveniencing me so dickheads. yeah um no I, I was one of those i started mine in like november and i was so proud of myself i was like well done me pat on the back and then i just forgot to do the rest so i've just yeah. been cracking on with it now um, just get on amazon get on prime yeah that's it i'm mostly done mostly done just a few more on amazon uh right should we get into the episode today Let's. Alrighty. So, obviously, guys, you've seen the title, so you know who we're talking about. But for everyone else, if you've not even bothered to look, you've just gone, oh my God, there's a new episode because it takes so long for them to get them out. Here it is. Listen to it straight away. You don't even know what it's called. You don't even care. I'm going to tell you. Today's episode is about a man called Howard Hughes. So, let's get into my little intro. Arguably, the most successful film franchise of all time is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. With 30 films at the time of writing and about a million more TV shows on streaming platforms, there is a plethora of characters to like. And out of all of them, one of the most beloved figures is Tony Stark, aka Iron Man, the quote, genius billionaire playboy philanthropist, and that's without the armour, he is one of my favourite characters in the MCU, and I think someone we can all relate to. No, I am not a billionaire, but if I was, you bet your ass I would be trying to build iron suits to fly around in and just do whatever the heck I wanted. And I think we would all do that too. In fact, Elon Musk is a great example of someone doing his absolute darndest to be the real-life Tony Stark. But trying to emulate someone is not the same as being the real McCoy. In fact, Tony Stark himself is a mere copy. The famous comic book character is based on the subject of our episode today, the real-life Tony Stark, a man named Howard Hughes. So, let's get into it. But before Mm. we do that, James, do you have a favourite MCU character? 
I the second you brought that up, I thought, fuck, he's going to ask me. Uh, yeah. Nothing really springs to mind. Um, I used to like Thor before they fucked him up completely. I don't know if you've seen the latest film, but I it have just. Not. I, I like Taika Waititi, but they have ruined Thor forever. I liked Guardians until Chris Pratt became a Pratt. Yep. Um, it, it's a it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. Um, they're all good in their own right, I suppose. I don't know. The answer's no. I'm so it's such a cop out. I don't have a favorite. <laughs> I, I don't I don't care for any of them enough to have a favorite, but I also like it. I yep. like Spider Man. I guess I think Spider Man's cool. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm now, more of a DC guy. Yeah, I know. I know. Who's your favorite DC character then? Batman, obviously. Batman all the time. Batman. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I just yeah. Yeah. yeah that, anyway, let's not get into it. So, Howard Robard Hughes Jr. was born on December the twenty fourth, nineteen o five, in Harris County, Texas. Howard came from good stock. His father, Howard Robard Hughes Sr., was from a well off family who sent him off to a military school and then to Harvard. His aunts and uncles were famous for being opera singers and novelists. But Howard Sr., it seems, did not share in the theatrical talents of his siblings. He spent nearly all of his early adult life looking to get into big business. He was an entrepreneur by nature and was bumming his way around America trying to find that one gap in the market for him. He would eventually find it when he saw how the burgeoning oil industry was doing. He recognised that this would be the next big thing in business and went about getting invested. Now, he was lucky enough to be near an area of Texas where they struck a massive oil reserve. He went about buying land in the surrounding area for mere dollars and then selling it off for hundreds, making himself a small fortune. Can I just take a second to say how envious I am of that era? That you could just like... that era of exploration still and things are new and and new industries are popping up all over the place and you could just be like I'm just going to buy a bunch of land that's worthless oh wait there's oil here I'm now a baron yeah it's mad isn't it I envy that I I often think that about the Middle East how for the longest Mm. time the Middle East sort of wasn't what it is now and then all of a sudden they realise they're sat on massive oil reserves and Mm. they've got Dubai, Qatar, Saudi Arabia like the richest places on earth yeah it's mad it is mad and now it's all like now the new industries are yeah, you know, oh, podcasting and audio stuff. And you're like, yeah, that's actually, you know, tough, man. There's so many people. What in is it. the new oil? I had this conversation with sort of my boss at work. We were sat there and we were speaking about how our company started. And it was just a guy who was at uni and he created a Facebook page and like made funny videos and posted funny videos and he just got loads of followers and then just he he was very business minded and then turned it into what it is now. Oh yeah. I was like, what are we what are we missing right now? Like, what are we not doing right now that is the next big thing that in ten years we're going to be like, damn, I wish I did that. Mm. What what is that? I want to know. That the one thing that really seems to piss me off with entrepreneurs and there's a guy that I follow on LinkedIn and he really winds me up, but I still follow him still. Um, is is this idea of luck? And when people ignore the luck factor, you know, and they're like, oh, I do it because I worked hard. And it's like, yeah, you did. But James, we work hard. We've been doing this for three years, right? And we spend a lot right. of our time. Yeah. We have full-time jobs and we still manage to like do this. And we've been doing I it I have a lot years. to say about this. So, you know, when you go on YouTube and you get these motivational speakers who are like they're billionaires, whatever, and like people are really taking notes about what they're saying, be like, this is fascinating. This guy has made it. I'm taking notes. Take notes off the millions of other people that did exactly the same and didn't get anywhere you're listening to that i'm not trying to put anyone down obviously aim fucking high but don't 
assume because you follow the steps of someone who is successful that you are going to be successful oh for sure like i it winds me up when you see like um youtubers that are just like oh just keep doing the things that you love and the content that you love and it will work and it's like yeah it's not really how it works you know i rate those no but keep doing it no absolutely keep doing it like what we do like we do this because we enjoy doing it right but Exactly. I rate those that are like, yeah, I've just been doing it and I got lucky. Someone found me and that was it. Like, I rate that. I absolutely rate that. Of course. Obviously, with success, there is a certain, like, if you graft, you have to graft for it. It won't just land in your lap. But I do feel for those that do graft their entire life and, and nothing happens. But as long as you find enjoyment in things, I think that's the real. If money is your aim, then I think, in my personal worldview, you've already failed. Mm. Obviously, we'd all like more money. But I think if you get enjoyment out of something and happiness, then you've succeeded. So maybe shift your goals and how you measure success. Mm, absolutely. Um, I feel like we just, I got, there's, do you know what? We've not used a, like a rant of the week. And I don't even know if I have the audio for it anymore. But I feel like that should have been it. <laughs> i'll probably go somewhere in the depths of my laptop Mm. now um howard senior is also recognized as being the inventor of a revolutionary drill bit that would make the drilling for oil faster and more efficient now it's actually disputed if he invented this piece but since uh since there were reports at the time of there being a similarish drill bit so it looks like quite a few people had heard about it started making it trying variations of it but it seems that with um howard senior Having his Harvard Law degree in his back pocket, he was able to patent the idea before anyone else. Kind of like a, yeah. a James Swan, Thomas Edison thing, where it's like James Swan this invented the light bulb. This was the, the era bulb. of fucking... It was the era of patent, uh, patenting everything, wasn't it? The amount of episodes we've done where we've been like, this guy got the patent first. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at one point we would do like an episode on Edison and James Swan and like how... Who, who invented the light bulb? It's like, yeah, yeah. It's not... I mean, we brought up Edison in our Tesla episode, which is a fucking throwback. Yeah, we did. And it turns out Edison's a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah. Edison does seem like a dickhead. But then I, I often think maybe Tesla was a dickhead as well. Maybe they were both just dickheads. Uh, yeah, I was. I've recently just watching a video on um, like Elon Musk, and it's like, yeah, Elon Musk has just gone weird. Oh, mate, he's pissing me off at the minute. He's all over my Twitter. Like, just fuck off. You bought Twitter. It's do what you want to do, and now just fuck off. Stop doing things. Maybe, maybe we'll get him on. We'll get him on the show. Yeah, I, I mean, he loves the sound of his own <laughs> voice, so probably. Now, either way. It made Howard Senior a very successful man, whether he invented the drill bit or whether he just patented the drill bit. It made him a very successful man. Now, Howard Junior's mother was named Alain Garno. And if I can just take a moment to go on another tangent 400 words in, <laughs> it genuinely bugs me that when we talk about parents of people that we cover, mainly historical ones, I've just gone on to describe how Howard's father is in in some detail would, you know, revolutionize some oil business, blah blah blah. And we 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 could do an entire episode of the man, right? There's a lot to go on. But when it comes to like Howard's mother and just women in general throughout history, there's always just kind of fuck all said about them. It's the and I've done it in yeah, I know, and I've done it in several episodes where I go on to say who the dad was and what they did for a job. And then when it comes to the mum, I'm like she was just a housewife. Yeah. And while that might while that might be true from an occupational perspective, it, it's not the case, is it, right? She would have had a personality. She'd have hobbies, likes, dislikes. And I just think it's a shame that women in history have always been overlooked unless they've done something worthy of a bloke to write down. No, I, I do agree. It, 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 I, what was quite striking, remember that fucking monarchy episode we did? That was a slog. Yeah. It took us until the second episode, two hours in, to get to the first queen. 
Yeah. Even though there was like eligible yeah, queens beforehand. It's just women in history have had a, a rough old time of it. Um, no, for sure. And I, I just think my frustration when it came to writing this part was that when it comes to talking about Howard's mum, I'm just like, yeah, that was his mum. But like, what's her story? Like, honestly, I I, I don't know. But then I find um, that when we do bad people, we often write more instead about their mothers and how they raised them. Like, it's their fault. True, true. Maybe we're, we're scratching the surface of something here. Someone should write a study on this. Mm, we should write our own book mm. now where was i um howard's mum was elaine garno right not so not much is known about her as i've just ranted about but we know that her behavior would have a big impact on the man her son would later become now we know that she was obsessed with cleanliness to the point that she had an irrational fear of small animals and insects and that also manifested in the way that she raised her son See, she was obsessed with making sure that he was protected from germs. She was absolutely terrified that he would catch polio, which um, we have done an episode on before with a guy called Alex, wasn't it? In the man in the tube. Oh, yeah, the um, the iron lung sort of thing. Yeah, the iron lung. That's it. So check that out. Um, but yeah, she was terrified that he would catch polio and she would check him every day for diseases, which I don't understand how you would do that, whether she's looking behind his ear and being like, oh, there's a germ and just scrubbing it. Check for diseases. I was having this conversation last night, actually, about um, my friend and his parents when lockdown and COVID happened, they took it to the extreme. Like they washed all their shopping when they got it in the house. Like yeah. if they went over, if someone went over for a visit, even though like afterwards or something when it was allowed, like they had to go straight in the shower. I'm like that's that's excessive it's a bit extreme i mean yeah i saw lots of people like yeah they disinfect their shopping and they've got like that spray and they go into the shop they spray the hand or something i'm like yeah okay yeah listen i don't want to downplay covid but it was like just wash your fucking hands in my opinion just wash your hands yeah 20 seconds although matt hancock cannot have you seen it in when he was in the jungle and he just picked up bird shit and fucking threw it and didn't wash his hands oh he's a twat anyway he's got his fame (laughs) He's got TikTok now. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. Anyway, she was also very strict on things that he could and could not eat. So what likely didn't help was that Howard had developed a family trait. See, he was partially deaf. And this made him a little isolated. And along with his mother's molly coddling, it meant that he was pretty content with being by himself. Howard was sent to a rather prestigious boarding school now that money was no object for his family. He was a very smart kid, showing interest in science, technology, engineering and maths. And he was an indifferent student, not really fussed about hanging out with the other boys, playing sports and the like. He was happy either sitting alone, not taking part or sitting with a company of girls. Now, his own head teacher described him as a, quote, uppity snobbish bore, which I think is rather savage from your head Mm. teacher. But Howard also became known as a bit of a sissy for hanging out with girls all the time. I reckon he's a bit of a lad and just knows what's up, right? But him, Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. Now, I totally get why he does this. His biggest influence in his life is his mother and he doesn't have any siblings, so it's natural that he feels more comfortable around girls. In fact, I'm the same if I can share too much for a second. With no male figure growing up and only my mum and my sisters in my immediate family, I too tend to get on better with women than I do men. I uh, majority of my life I find it very uncomfortable talking about boys about boyish things it's just weird I don't really? know how to get on with it yeah always have done not that this is a therapy session <laughs> but I've always just found it very weird like even oh. in terms of like relationships and whatnot when you like meet parents I yeah. get on great with mums I've always kind of struggled to get on with dads yeah um it's a really weird 
interesting dynamic just because I have no reference for what that relationship should be. No, that is interesting. See, I have the opposite side, whereas I, like, my mum's obviously around, but uh, my dad and my brother, so it's a very male-dominated house. So I, yeah. I, I know how to speak to men more than I do women. Maybe that's why I'm so bad with women. <laughs> why I'm so good, but no. no. <laughs> <laughs> now, Howard was a very smart kid. At age 11, he built his very own wireless radio transmitter, which was said to be the first in Houston at the time. In fact... He would be one of the first licensed ham radio operators in Houston. Now, by the age of 12, he built his own motorized bicycle from parts taken from his father's steam engine. Howard basically built himself a motorbike age 12. This kid That's is impressive. smart. That's very it's impressive. very impressive. And and if you've seen the original Iron Man film that came out in, like, was it, like 2004 or something like that? Um, I want to say 2008, and I'm going to look this up because I think I'm right. Oh, you're right. I think you are right. It is 2008. Because then there was like Marvel's whole phases thing. Yeah, 2008. God, I'm good. Well done. There's like a whole beginning bit where it shows like Tony Stark, a brief kind of history. And there's like magazine covers of him being like, oh, he built his own motorbike when he was like 15. And it's these are things that are like likened back to mm. Howard Hughes. Um, now, in an attempt to get his, quote, sissy boy to man up... Howard Sr. sent off young Howard to a summer camp with the Boy Scouts. Now, Boy Scouts back then were not like they are today. Scouts today, while yes, learn outdoor skills, they tend to learn more general life skills that would be more useful in making them a decent member of society. Over 100 years ago, though, Scouts were very different. It was all about the outdoors. And at this time, World War I was raging across Europe and America was on the cusp of joining. And the Boy Scouts of America were actively used as propaganda at the time. 300,000 boys joined up in a mass push where they learnt military skills and played the idea of war as a game. I think that's almost borderline, like, disgusting and wrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're getting kids to do propaganda and stuff, and... <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and it, it obviously, yeah, but every country was doing it, I suppose. Oh, if yeah, you wanna... yeah, fair. Yeah. Speaking of the Scouts, I went to, was it Brown Sea Island in uh, just off the coast of Bournemouth? One of the only places in the UK to see red squirrels, fun fact, because the grey ones couldn't get across the sea. Uh, and, like, there's a massive statue to the bloke that started the Scouts there, because I think, like, that's where they did one of their first camping trips or something, and Scouts still go there. Interestingly, I have in my back pocket an episode on that guy that I'm going to be using in 2023, and... Okay. I think he's problematic. I mean, there's always that connotation of the scouts that scout leaders are a bit... And I don't want to fucking label anyone, but that's just the connotation that goes round. But the statue was very much for him. It was a lovely island as well. It seemed like things were going well. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Well, I was I was a scout as a kid. I, I, I did the cubs. I did the... Be- no, I did beavers. I did cubs. And then I went on to scouts. Yeah. And I was pulled out of the scouts in like the second week by my mum because every night she'd pick me up and say, what have you done tonight? And I would say, and I'd tell her what I did. So when yeah. I joined the scouts and you're like 12 at that point, I think, what did you do in the scouts? And I went, oh, not really. We sort of run around, played a few games. And she's like, so you didn't really learn much. And I went, no. And then the second week, what did you do tonight? Same thing, really. She went, you're not doing that anymore. And then I joined the army cadets. 
No, so, so was it just more of like a youth centre, like their kids just go and fuck it, about? It, it felt like at the time a youth centre, and then I joined the army cadets, and there was much more violence involved, and I was better. Yeah, I suppose you, your mum wanted you to somewhere to focus your energy. Yeah, possibly, and I did great in there. Anyway, Howard Hughes took to the scouts like a duck to water. Maybe it was the fact that he was away from his overbearing mother, but Howard absolutely loved the scouting life. It also helped a little way in building some form of a relationship with his dad. Howard Sr. was working a lot of the time, so really never had that much time for him. But on one occasion, Daddy Howard took young Howard to Connecticut to watch the most upper class of sports, the Harvard versus Yale annual boat race. Daddy Howard made a bet with his son. He would buy him whatever he wanted if his beloved Harvard won the race. Luckily for Howard, Harvard did win. So what do you think he asked for? Some sort of uh, motorbike engine, something something technical. I don't know. Interesting, interesting. No, simply he asked for a fiver. Across the river, Howard had seen an advert for a 10-minute flight on a flying boat, which cost $5. Daddy Howard reluctantly joined his son for the 10-minute flight. It made him sick, but for young Howard, he had discovered a new love flying. Now by the age of 19 both of Howard's parents had died. His mother passed away in 1922 when he was 17 due to complications during pregnancy and his father died two years later in 1924 from a heart attack. Howard inherited all of his family's fortune making him a rather wealthy young man. He did try to run the family oil business but very quickly discovered that not only did he not actually give a shit about oil. <laughs> he wasn't very good at running a business. Mm. So he hired a very clever accountant to run it for him so that he could focus on his two passions, flying and movies, which is such a teenage <laughs> thing to do. And I imagine... I mean, if, I respect it. I, right? If I had all that money and I was 19 and someone said, yeah, you've got to go run this boring company now, I'd do exactly the same. Just get someone to yeah. do it for me. I'd probably have a YouTube channel where I sort of... I don't know, try out different types of chorizo. That that would yeah, be... You'd, you'd just do weird shit. I'd probably start a travelling blog and just go all around the world and just video what I'd do. Yours is better than mine. <laughs> I mean, you could try chorizo in Spain. Uh, that's a, a good idea. Bougie. That's good, yes. Go to different yeah. places that make chorizo. and that. All right, I'm going to do that. It doesn't, you, I don't know why you're so focused on chorizo. You can try other things. I love chorizo. You don't chorizo. have to do a purely chorizo-based YouTube no, channel. No, I love chorizo. Right. Okay. <laughs> Howard. Anyway, Howard would play golf every day at noon, religiously. Every single day. Noon. Right. Golf time. He absolutely loved the sport and was notably very, very good at it. And you must get bored of it at some point, though, right? Golf is fine. Mm. I, I don't mind golf. It's quite a laugh. But doing it, that's, doing it every day, I imagine, is quite tedious. Mm. Now, one day while playing, a plane, a plane flew overhead and tipped his wing at Howard in a little salute. He managed to track down the pilot of the plane and offered him a job. He would pay the man $100 a day to teach him how to fly. Now, for context, that's um, $1,500 in today's money. A day? A day. Mad. Oh, yeah, I'd take that. That's not Even bad. Even if I didn't know how to fly, I'd learn just to teach him. 
I would be like, do you know how you're doing really well, but you're not quite hitting the mark yet? I think we need to do another week. Yeah, yeah, keep those <laughs> lessons going. Every good driving instructor does that, don't they? Oh, I'm 100%. I, I believe that that's what driving instructors do. Like, I reckon you need a few more lessons before you do your test. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but that's because I'm paying some... £40 an hour. People take like a year to learn. It doesn't take a year to learn how to drive a car. There's no need for that. No. Now, it took Howard two years to receive his pilot's license, and he would get it, but of course, it cost him a pretty penny. Now, I feel like he probably could have done it cheaper, but when you don't know what the price of a pint of milk is, why would you even bother to look for an alternative? You're just like, well, this man mm. knows how to fly planes, and he can teach me. I'll just buy it. And you're like, yeah. you could find a better alternative. And he's like, why would I do that? <laughs> I, just, I don't mm. need to. So, Howard is whiling, his, uh, whiling away his days learning to fly planes and playing golf. But he had another itch. He wanted to try his hand at movies. Howard was a massive movie buff and was obsessed with Hollywood starlets on the big screen. And like any other person who is bored and has a lot of money, he thought one thing. I could do that. So the first film that Howard produced was Swell Hogan a 1926 comedy about a New Yorker bum who helps orphan kids. The film was pitched by actor Ralph Graves, who would also direct and star in the movie. He claimed that the movie could be made on a budget of $40,000, which in today's money is just over half a mil. Now that sounds like a lot of money, but for a movie nowadays, that really isn't that much. Now in case you were wondering as well, movies that were made with half a mil or a million as a budget include Bronson with Tom Hardy playing Charles Bronson which is great oh, good film yeah. Blair Witch Project yeah okay the horror film Wreck which is a Portuguese horror film it's a really, oh, really good oh I like that one yeah. yeah that shut me up yeah. Saw the original really? Saw okay. was made on such a small yeah. budget I, su- I suppose yeah you don't there's not much location used yeah okay yeah Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels which is a cult classic and Reservoir yeah. Dogs I mean they've all got they're all very similar in the fact that like it's that there's not much to them. Like the script and the characters are good. Yeah. And they've got that nailed, so they don't really need to go overboard on effects and locations and no, big sure. names. Like no. Reservoir, Do- Reservoir Dogs generally is one location. It's just that warehouse. Yeah, although um, uh, is it the, the cafe scene at the beginning is fantastic. Yeah, you've got a cafe, a car, and then the warehouse, and that's it. Yeah. Now, all of those films, as fantastic as they were and are, uh, were made with a budget of a million dollars or under. So, you know, it's really not that much. Now... Mm. Unfortunately, as is usually the case with movies, it went over budget by quite a lot, double in fact. And when Howard saw the finished piece in a private screening, well, to say he didn't like it is an understatement. He hated it so much, he demanded that all copies of the movie be destroyed. And to this day, it has never been seen. He fully got rid of it. Oh, I know. In fact, I was I was telling a friend about this the other day, um, and he was saying that that just makes him want to see it even more. He just wants it. He, he's like, I don't care. Oh, how well, bad yeah, I want to know how bad it is. Yeah, but I suppose if in those days, like a copy was a physical copy, oh, so yeah. if you got rid of them, it's it's gone. That's the thing. Like, it it doesn't matter how bad it was. There's something about bad movies that we all love. You know, like The Room by oh, Tommy yeah. Wiseau. Oh, fan- fantastic! Fantastic! You can't help yeah, but want to film. watch it. And oh, ah, yeah. I spent about an hour chatting about that the other day. <laughs> <laughs> now, undeterred by this disastrous first attempt, Howard went on to produce quote. Uh, Everybody's Acting, and Two Arabian Nights. Both of these were a financial success. In fact, I actually found Two Arabian Nights. You can find it on YouTube, and I watched the beginning of it. 
Now remember, these are silent movies having been made in the 1920s, so they can be a hard watch. But Two Arabian Nights is genuinely shot really well. It looks fantastic. The whole beginning part in trenches, it looks brilliant. It's genuinely beautiful. Mm. Now, it's about two American soldiers in World War I who are captured by the enemy. They escape and end up in Constantinople, where much hijinks occurs. It won the first Academy Award for Best Director of a Comedy, beating Charlie Chaplin's film The Circus. That's good and high praise, right? You beat Charlie Chaplin. Mm. Um, if I could just talk about that film as well. If you ever do get a chance and fancy like having a look and see what it's like, it's it's a bit bizarre. It's supposed to be a comedy, but it's set during World War One, and there are some more serious themes. But they try to like implement comedy into the serious moments, and it just does not work. It's very right. weird, um, and also. The film is called Two Arabian Nights. So it's about these two American soldiers who happen to be in the Middle East. But mm. for some reason, there are Arabian, quote, Arabian soldiers in the Western Front, which I don't think there were many at the time anyway. But there's a bunch of Arabian soldiers in the Western Front. But can you can you imagine what the costumes were for the Arabian soldiers? Oh, they're going to be something incredibly racist, aren't they? Like... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know how to describe them, but I can see them, like sheets. Right, yes, it's basically, they're all wearing sheets in a muddy field in the Western Front. And I googled, I was like, yeah. what did um, like Middle Eastern soldiers during World War One wear? And, well, lo and behold, they wore military uniform like everybody else. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's mad it's as just well... stereotypes. What's mad as well is this is made in the 1920s, right? So it's literally like not even 10 years since the war. So people would have been like, actually, I was there. They they wore this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's got to be just stereotyping. Yeah. Anyway, Howard would go on to produce several other films such as The Racket, The Front Page, the original Scarface, and The Outlaw, which received some backlash from the industry and still to this day is slightly problematic for one major reason. Boobs. What? <laughs> the Outlaw is a fictional movie about Billy the Kid and Doc Holliday. You might remember that name from our episode of Wire Up. Doc mm. Holliday, for reasons dictated by the film buddies, up uh, buddies up with Billy the Kid. Now, they hide away in a home with Doc's love interest, Rio MacDonald, who was played by actress Jane Russell in her debut role. The issue is that although clearly very talented... Jane Russell was in large part cast for her, quote, voluptuous figure. Mm. Now, sex Howard sells. De- sex sells. And Howard knew that, right? Howard demanded that all scenes of Russell required her costume to show as much cleavage as they could get away with, which is slightly problematic. Yeah, yeah. In fact, in all of the posters for the movie, it would feature Russell wearing a blouse open, revealing much of her chest, which didn't go down well with many rather conservative moviegoers at the time who thought mm. it was in poor taste. Howard, however, said of this film, quote, There are two good reasons why men would go to see her, and those are enough. <laughs> he knew what people... I, I imagine it did very well at the box office or whatever they had then. Because you know that people will want to see that. I know, that's the thing. He knows that, like, that's what men want to see, and I'm making yeah. this film for men. Not really making it for the ladies to come. I just want men to come, and I want as many men to come and see it as possible. <laughs> now, it is problematic. It's a, it's not ideal. It is also quite a funny like statement, I think. Mm. Um, whilst also able to acknowledge that it is not correct. No, yeah. 
Of all of the films that he produced, his magnus opus was a 1930 war film called Hell's Angels. Set during the First World War, it was one of the first feature-length films to have a full-colour scene nine years before The Wizard of Oz, which is recognised as the first Technicolor movie. Mm. It's about two brothers who join the British Royal Flying Corps. Now, this is the only film I watched in its entirety for research. And seriously, it's visually impressive, and I would recommend you watch it. It's got Mm. sound, it's not a silent movie. Um, it is in black and white for the most part, but it's got, uh, like I say, that one famous colour scene. And honestly, it's genuinely quite good. Um, mm. It has a few flaws because it's like that early era of cinema where story kind of is not as important. Maybe sometimes the character development is not that important. It's just like you're just watching it and that's about the point of seeing it rather mm. than it being a, an experience. But anyway... Howard himself directed a large portion of the film, primarily the aerial footage. Now, remember, it's a war film and it's got dogfights in it, and he had to get his passion for flying into the movie. He bought between 40 to 80 odd vintage World War I biplanes for the film. That's because the guy's just got money. He's like, I don't care, I just just want it. So he bought between 40 and 80 vintage warplanes and had genuine World War I pilots fly them in the movie, including himself who shot some of the aerial footage alongside them. He at one point claims that he had a larger air force than most small nations, although this was a joke and not true. But he's very good at promoting. <laughs> yeah, he seems to be like a, a good businessman. Well, no, oh, he's a yeah. terrible businessman because he keeps spending money, but he's a very good marketer. That's the word. Great at marketer, yeah. Now, remember, earlier we mentioned that his mother was a bit cray-cray when it comes to the cleanliness and things. Yeah. Well... It seems that Howard was too developing some form of OCD which bled into his everyday life and filmmaking which made him fixate on the smallest of details. Oftentimes when shooting outdoor aerial scenes he would scrap and reshoot entire set pieces if he didn't like the look of the clouds in the edit. That's expensive. It's expensive because remember, right? This is not like now. You've got digital cameras. You can literally just watch it back immediately, right? And then go for a second take there and then. And go for a second take. He has to film the whole thing, get the whole film like uh, created and whatnot, to then watch yeah. it back and go, nah, we're doing that again in about a week. We're going to set that up again. You know, that's crazy. Just look up into the sky on the day and see if you like the clouds. Oh, yeah. Now, this OCD thing is a foreshadow um it would only get worse as he got older now the film would cost him 2.8 million dollars which is almost 50 million dollars today although howard claims he spent 4 million which is not necessarily true fun fact though howard crashed a plane when he asked a stunt pilot to perform a particular move the stunt pilot said that it could not be done and would result in a crash But Howard, with his OCD, was like, fine, I'll do it myself. It needs to be done. And Howard crashed it. He suffered a skull fracture that required facial reconstructive surgery, and three stunt pilots and a mechanic would die in the process of filming Hell's Angels. So it's actually got a rather high mortality rate. Yeah, fucking hell, man. I know. Now, the film was a success. And Howard was living his Hollywood dream. He was making successful films. He was living at large, flying his planes and playing golf in between. He was even dating some of the most high-profile female actors of the time, including Audrey Hepburn. 
Wow. Now, I know. He, um, I, I don't really cover it at all, um, but Howard is married. Um, he doesn't have kids, but he is married at this point, and his wife does file for divorce because Howard just cannot keep it in his pants at all. He absolutely mm-hmm. loves getting his end away with as yeah. many women as possible. Um, but I did not necessarily thought it was relevant, so I didn't put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, now... Oh yeah, I, I, sorry. I've just reread my script, and I'm like, yeah, he had a marriage, but it didn't last very long. So that's about as good as I put. <laughs> <laughs> and now, alongside his movie making endeavors, Howard was also indulging his passion for flying. In 1934, he won a flying race in Miami. His love for speed and aircraft gave him an idea. Why not just build my own aircraft that I want? So he set up the Hughes Aircraft Company where he began working on designing the world's fastest racing planes. The result was the Hughes H1 Racer. It broke the airspeed record, reaching 352 miles an hour, which most aircraft at the time flew at 200 miles an hour. So he's doing bits. Yeah, that's fast. That's very fast. He then went on to make minor details to the H1. The rivets that hold everything down were then flush, put onto the fuselage to reduce drag, and it was fitted with a retractable landing gear, and it went even faster. Hughes then flew this revised model, beating the intercontinental airspeed record flying from one side of America to the other in 7 hours and 28 minutes. He absolutely smashed the previous record holder, which was himself. (laughs) (laughs) Always wanting more. Now, always wanting more. This seems to be the, this continuous thing with Howard. He always wants to push and push and push and push and do the next thing. Um, mm. I think he's got this, like billionaires today, they've got that, oh, I need to be the best at that and I've just got to do it. He seems to also have that drive and that passion. I think maybe it's something that they need. Yeah, because if you get to the point where you've you've literally got a crazy amount of money that not many people in history will ever have touched and you'll never want again like what what do you do at that point you've completed life you've won yeah so i suppose you have to keep yourself interested somehow yeah yeah it's like it's what elon musk with twitter i think i think he's it's just a massive ego trip as well he's just he's so bored he needs to do something else just get us to mars that was his mission put us on fucking mars leave twitter alone you twat anyway (laughs) anyway now in 1938 Howard set another world record by doing an around-the-world flight in 91 hours. That is three days and 19 hours. The previous record was seven days. So he's absolutely knocked it out of the park. When he arrived back in New York, he was met with a parade with ticker tape and cheers, like he'd just won the Super Bowl. Mm. Now, Howard was living the dream. He was, he was a successful man who had movies under his belt. He had a brand new aircraft company manufacturing cutting-edge aircraft and landing defence contracts with World War II. Uh, so he was making some serious money, yeah? He was creating prototype aircraft and he would fly them himself. He was just doing everything he wanted. Mm. He really is the real-life Tony Stark. It now, does seem like that. A seriously wealthy playboy who does what he wants and is technologically gifted, helping the military create new weapons of war. That is literally what Tony Stark is. It's literally what Tony Stark is. Now, his company were even the OG helicopters, which would go on um, to develop the Apache helicopter in the 1970s, which is pretty cool. Yeah. 
That's a good helicopter. It is pretty cool. Uh, now, unfortunately for Howard, his stubbornness to do everything himself, because he hi- because he didn't trust anyone else to do it, would properly backfire on him. In 1946, while performing the test flight for the new XF-11, Howard's aircraft endured a malfunction. Howard attempted to make a crash landing in a golf course, but before he got there, the plane yawed sharply, resulting in Howard crashing and destroying three homes and setting fire to another when the fuel tank exploded. Howard was able to pull himself out of the wreckage, and that's where he stayed. He was pulled to safety by a marine who was visiting a friend in the area. That must have been really annoying. Like, you go see your friend, mm. and all of a sudden, three homes just explode, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's not quite the relaxing trip they wanted. No, no. Howard's injuries were actually quite serious. Obviously, we know he has had a bad crash in the past, uh, requiring facial reconstructive surgery, but in this crash, he crushed his collarbones, he cracked multiple ribs, he suffered a crushed rib cage, resulting in his lungs being punctured in several areas, it had numerous third-degree burns, and the force of the impact had shunted his heart over to the right side of his body. It ain't Jeez. supposed to be there, boys. It's no. not supposed to be there. Fucking hell. Now, Howard survived, but just. Medical staff said that it was a miracle that he would survive. Howard laid in a hospital bed recovering, unable to get out and about for a while. But his overthinking brain was ticked ticking away something was not quite right he's uncomfortable sitting in his bed he's just like there's something's not right this is not good Mm. his hospital bed just was not good enough and every time he moved his burns caused him so much pain the bed could be made better howard had a new hospital bed designed for himself while lying in one which required 30 electrical motors, had several push buttons for the patient to use that required them not to move as much, and had hot and cold running water installed on it. The whole thing seems to have been designed with the patient in mind so that they don't have to move while recovering. And Howard, unfortunately, would never go on to use this bed that he had designed, but it would go on to be a basis prototype for the modern hospital bed that we use today. Yeah, with all the butter, you can like uh, lean up and yeah. lean down, and it moves and all sorts. It's yeah, pretty a lot cool. Of pretty cool. Yeah. Now Howard would have several plane crashes in his life, but the XF11 would be the last one that he would have. He was in so much pain that Howard began an opiate addiction that he would have for the rest of his life in an attempt to live with the constant pain. Mm. Now, at the same time, his obsession with being a part of every tiny detail got worse. What we know is that Howard may have had severe undiagnosed OCD. He he always knew he was always known to be really anal about things and how they were done, making sure that he had final say on certain plans or with new aircraft, he had to be the person that test flew it. Yeah. But now aged 53, he was developing an obsession with hand washing, something we typically see with people who live with OCD. He refused to shake hands with people or touch door handles. He would give his staff meticulous details on how he wanted standard jobs to be done and flew into blind rages when these things were not followed. For example, Howard gave his staff a rather detailed breakdown on how he wanted them to open a tin of peaches which would be served to him. This included 
removing the label from the can and scrubbing the tin until it was bare metal. Then give it another wash before you open it. Then the peaches were to be emptied into a bowl, but the bowl could not touch the tin. If it does, he would not have it. That's how, like... He's like a, he's like a toddler. Yeah. You know when you're like, I can't have my chips touch my vegetables on a plate, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I know a lot of people like that, but this is serious OCD. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, for breakfast, it had to be eggs, but they had to be made the exact same way that his family cook made them. And dinner was always he always had the same dinner at this point uh dinner was always a a new york strip steak cooked medium rare dinner salad and peas but the peas had to be small ones any large ones they were pushed aside and binned isn't it mad it uh working for him would have been a nightmare i bet yeah but i i imagine it's one of those that once you got used to it 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 was fairly straightforward i suppose if you do the same thing every day you could get into a routine as well and just smash it yeah Now, his worsening compulsions meant that Howard was going inward with himself. He began to mistrust the outside world and believed that he was safer in his own company where he could control every aspect of it. Rather interestingly, the FBI were keeping tabs on Howard. As an eccentric billionaire who could do whatever he wanted and had several government contracts under his belt, they were just keeping up with him. But what they saw was a man in failing mental health, secluding himself from the world, Their conclusion of him was that he was acting like a, quote, screwball paranoiac and that he could even be capable of murder. What the fuck? Do you reckon they just didn't want him to, like, talk about the contracts that he had? Maybe, kind of. So Howard is like a, very much like Tony Stark. I don't know, there's a, I think is it in Civil War, or no, it's Iron Man 2, where he has to go to a uh, Congress speaking event or something where they ask him about why some of his military equipment has been found elsewhere and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And he's just literally just sat there and they're scared of him because of all yeah. the things he has. And I think there's a bit of them that are scared of Howard because, yeah. you know... I mean, thinking he's... about it, in, in, uh, Tony Stark's dad is literally called Howard. Yes. So, obviously, Tony Stark is based on Howard and uh, Tony Stark's dad is called Howard after Howard Hughes. Yeah, and Howard Stark was around in, in this era, like yep. post, just before World War Two. sorry. Yeah, yeah, that, that, I'm saying this guy's the inspiration for that whole character. Um, yeah. But I think there's there's um it's actually that XF11 that he crashed and nearly died in. Mm. Uh, he had to go before a Congress tribunal and ask why this contract that he'd been given was over budget and hadn't been delivered yet. It was late because mm. it was supposed to be brought in during the Second World War, but he didn't make it. It was made after, finished after the Second World War. Uh, and he's literally, they were like, what are you doing? And he's like, listen, I don't need you to have a go at me. Like, I could literally just leave this country tomorrow and never come back. And I have a right mind to fucking do so if you question me. <laughs> like, they, like, And that's what I think it is. The government are genuinely a little bit scared of him because they know how brilliant he can be. And if he's used yeah. correctly, they're onto a winner. Yeah. but Ooh, um, That's cool. There's a lot of power. Yeah. Just as an aside, though, Howard had actually killed someone before. Oh. Oh, <laughs> now you're probably oh. thinking, hold on, how has Ryan just missed this out? Well, yeah, it's something not often spoke about when it comes to Howard Hughes' story. Howard ran over a man with his car who died on impact. Howard was not drunk, but one medical person did say that he had drunk alcohol in their day. But Howard claims that the man stepped out into the road 
Um, but a witness said otherwise and said that Howard hit him while the man was walking on the pedestrian area. When it was ah. going to court, though, Howard's team delayed and delayed and delayed, and eventually the witness changed their story, stating that the man in question had actually walked out into the road, which would make it just an accidental death. He definitely got paid off. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've got that much money, you can, it's, it's always the way, isn't it? With If you've got enough money, you can get away with literal murder. Um You've seen it with that, uh, you know, that American woman who in England hit that guy, hit that kid with her car and, and then flew and back to America and then refused to come back to the country and it's just completely gotten away with it. Harry Dunn is the name of the young man. And is it Anne yeah, yeah, yeah. Sudeikis? Sudeikis she, she's, she's the wife of some sort of government official in America and she's completely got away with it because of who she is, yeah. which is wrong. You should come back to England and be tried for fucking manslaughter at the very least i believe uh, as an update she has been charged with something or sentenced to something in america now it's, it's something ridiculous though like she won't go to prison or something but she was on the wrong side of the fucking road uh-huh yeah yeah mad now mad. It, get away with anything in 1958 howard told his aides that he wanted to watch a movie so they booked out a theater on sunset boulevard in la for him howard would not leave that theatre for the next four months. Months? Months. He would... I was going to... Okay. I was preparing for you to say days. No. He would watch movies on repeat. He only ate chocolate bars and chicken and only drank milk. He would write detailed memos to his staff instructing them to not look at him and they could only speak to him if he spoke to them. He spent most of his time in the theatre naked, surrounded by boxes of tissues, but not for the reason you might think. He mm. used the tissues to hold things, wishing to not come into contact with germs. He often wore the tissue boxes on his feet as well, and was constantly rearranging and stacking the boxes. You might also be wondering why he was naked for the most part. Well, mm. it seems that Howard may have developed a condition called allodynia. Allodynia? Now, those that suffer with this experience an overstimulation when touching things that can be interpreted by the brain as pain. So, wearing clothes is a constant contact on your skin, uh, mm. and that can make it feel like he's in constant pain just by having his skin uh, his skin in contact with clothes. So, he just being naked seems to be a way to alleviate the pain. This is such a story of two halves. You've yeah. got a guy who's like achieved it all, done some amazing things, slept with Audrey Hepburn for fuck's sakes. Yeah. And now suddenly is naked in a movie theatre eating chicken and chocolate. I know. It's crazy. And I'm not... I'm Mental health's a wild ride. And I'm saying he did not leave that theatre for four months. I'm not joking. He mm. didn't leave it. It would have smelt in there. He would have smelt. This is the thing. So ironically, despite Howard's obsession with cleanliness and germs, he himself was filthy. He never left mm. the theatre for four months, remember, so that he hadn't bathed at all in that time. His nails were extremely long and his hair had grown out. And I imagine he absolutely hummed. Yeah, it would have stank. But the thing is, Howard believed that germs didn't come from him, they came from everything else, so his own cleanliness was not of importance to him. Mm, at least brush your teeth, bro. I know. Now, when he did eventually leave, he checked himself into the Beverly Hills Hotel, where his movie habits continued. Sitting in the dark, naked, the Beverly Hills Hotel wasn't used to guests staying for very long periods of time. So... Howard would stay for over a year, spending $11 million at the hotel. Wow. I bet they loved him, though. They were raking it. For sure, yeah. 
Now, Howard might be a recluse now, but he was still doing big business. All business was conducted over the phone, with the receiver being held with a tissue. Now, Howard went about buying up real estate in Las Vegas. He saw Vegas as a jewel in the crown and wrote about it as being a, quote, well-dressed man in a dinner jacket and a beautifully jeweled and furred female getting out of an expensive car. God, imagine if you saw it today. It's just a... Oh, I really want to go to Vegas Di- just out of pure curiosity. Disneyland but for adults. Christ. Yeah, it just... It looks so fucking tacky. I think I'd love it for that reason, but it looks so tacky and horrendous. Well, my partner Jenna went in April and she was like, it's brilliant. It's really cool. I imagine you'd have a lot of fun, like a lot of fun, but I've heard it's fucking hot as well. A lot of crackheads. A lot of crackheads. You know, I'd have to do it right. Like, I'd have to really save up and get a nice hotel and, mm. and do it properly. Mm. Now, Howard took up residence in the Desert Inn, and to save the hassle of continuously booking his rooms since he had no intention of leaving, Howard just bought the whole hotel and all the residents had to leave. That is a Batman thing. But Batman did that with Christian Bale's in the first film. He does, doesn't he? Because yeah. he's like, oh, how did you manage to get a table here? And he went, oh, no, it's fine. I just bought the place. Yeah, literally just buy the hotel. That's a ball yeah. move. It is, isn't it? Now, he bought up several more hotels and real estate in the region and ended up becoming the largest employer in Vegas at the time. Now, this next part is really the main reason why I even know about Howard Hughes. And I thought it was such a funny fact about an eccentric billionaire. But having now researched him a little bit more... I actually feel sorry for him to a degree. Mm. He's clearly a dude that is suffering quite a lot and it just so happens that because he's a billionaire, he's able to live this life. If he was a regular run-of-the-mill guy, I don't even imagine how different his life would be. Like, he'd probably be living on the streets and be fucking hard, done by. Like, But because he's a billionaire, he can get away with just being naked in a theatre for like four months and just have people wait on him. Yep. Um, anyway... Howard bought a local TV station so that he could watch whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. And it, and oftentimes, I'm not joking, James, he would just pick up the phone and be like, um, can you play this movie now? And they would have to play it. It's like um, Netflix, like OG Netflix. Right. But this made me think how that conversation would have gone. Because I imagine he's just picked up the phone and he's like, yo, um, TV station that I now own. I want you to play my film, Hell's Angels. And they're like, yeah, sorry, sir, we have a schedule to keep to. And he's like, I don't care, you're going to play my film now. And I just imagine someone at home just watching the news and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we're now playing Hell's Angels. <laughs> <laughs> because he wants it. <laughs> because he wants it on. Oh, and like, funny. That, that was that was like, when I, I remember watching a video about this guy years ago and that being the, the funny hook to him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's actually quite funny. Like, he bought the TV station and he was just like, oh, I want to watch this film now. And they're like, sir, it's an 18 and we can't. It's five o'clock in the afternoon. I don't care. You're going to play it. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really funny. But having now done this episode, written it about him, I, I feel for him. I, I, I'm I, like, this is a guy clearly in a lot of failing mental health. And yeah, he's declined. He has the ability to do this and he will do it. But I, I No just one can tell him, him otherwise either. No one. Nah. But my opinion on him has completely changed. Now, completely unannounced, Howard left the Desert Inn and it seems he was on one last round trip. He flew to the Bahamas where he stayed for a couple of years before flying to London where he flew solo for the last time. He took a plane up in the air and flew around London completely naked. (laughs) Why not? 
because of the clothes he's like i fuck this if i'm gonna fly flying is my greatest passion i absolutely love just being in the air i'm gonna do it naked i don't want to be uncomfortable i'm just gonna do it yeah why not fair play carry on howard howard spent the last part of his life in mexico he'd been staying at a penthouse before he took a fall and needed to go to a hospital he was on a private flight to texas on april the 5th 1976 when he collapsed and died now at the hospital he was a shell of the man he once was he was six foot four but he weighed 90 pounds that is six stone fucking hell he must have been frail six stone some like medium-sized dogs weigh six stone yeah i'm trying to think about what that is in kilograms um i don't know but six Uh, stone for english money I know, it's crazy, isn't it? So he died aged 70, which really is not that old. No, considering he could like he could have had been in good health with great medical care because of his riches. I don't know. It, yeah. se- it seems like a man whose mental health really just took its toll, which is a shame. Yeah. His hair, beard and fingernails were all long and unkempt. He was only recognised by his fingerprints. That's how much he did not look like himself wow. anymore. Wow. You've got to wonder how much that crash impacted this. If that crash didn't happen, would this have happened? Would he have declined at this rate? Well, yeah, you wonder. Obviously, he had OCD beforehand, and everyone knew that he was a bit anal about stuff. But obviously, it wasn't a diagnosed thing at the time. They were just like, oh, Howard's just like, he likes to be in touch with all the details and whatnot, but he he had OCD. So, I don't know. I, I, I do wonder whether the fact that he can live this lifestyle maybe enabled his OCD. Mm, yeah yeah you know um i I don't know but it is interesting um an autopsy confirmed that his death was uh caused by kidney failure and an x-ray had also shown that he had several needles in in his flesh where he was constantly injecting himself with painkillers and the needles may have broken off uh, whilst trying to do it I bet he drank no water either, hence the kidney Pro- failure. Yeah, probably not. I bet he was a whiskey man all day. I mean, you said when he was in the cinema, all he did was drink milk. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Now, Howard's story has fascinated many after his death. He was portrayed by Leonardo DiCaprio in the 2004 film The Aviator. Is that Howard- what that's about? Yeah. I've never seen that film. Mad. I might go watch that. Yeah, there's like a famous scene where he's like scrubbing his hands, just really scrubbing his hands really intently and he ends up cutting himself with his nails because they're getting quite long. Yeah, I'm um, mad. Okay, I didn't know what that yeah. film was about. Interesting. Howard, as mentioned at the beginning of this episode, is the inspiration for Tony Stark and as mentioned as well, his father is also called Howard. Howard has also been the inspiration for video games such as Bioshock, where a tycoon named Andrew Ryan, who is a likeness to Howard, builds the city of Rapture under the sea. And Howard Hughes also makes an appearance in the game L.A. Noir. Now, to conclude this story, what I thought would be a funny episode about a dude who spent all day in a hotel room calling up a local TV station and demanding films be played turned into a man with massive ambition who had the world at his feet but money couldn't fix what was going on in his head. He was a man who towards the end was in tremendous pain and was suffering but still had all his faculties which must have been so infuriating. Hmm. And that is the life of Howard Hughes, the real life Tony Stark. That was a fascinating story. I mean, he had one hell of a life, but like I said earlier, it's a life of two halves. It's a real shame that mental health took its toll. Um, maybe in modern day they could have looked after him better because they would have diagnosed him and there would have been things. He wouldn't have been on opium for one. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a shame, it's, it's but, a shame. He, but we're still feeling the benefits of what he achieved now. I'm sure 
like modern day aeroplanes took sort of inspiration from what he achieved in the hospital beds and stuff. Mm. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, there you go. That was the story of Howard Hughes. Um, I do hope everyone found that interesting and and have a maybe a, a slightly different perspective on the guy. Um, I mean, when you said you were doing him, I was like, that name really rings a bell, and I don't know why. And none of that mm. story rang a bell for me, but I feel like I've heard the name in reference somewhere before. Yeah. Uh, well, sounds like you have. Uh, he's in a lot more things than you realise. Yeah. And yeah. go I mean, check I'll out Hell's Angels. Wiser. Go check out yeah, Hell's Angels. It's really, really a, a, a fascinating watch, a really good film. Um, it's got some funny twists. It's got some good twists in it as well. And you're like, what? What's going on there? It's mad. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I hope everyone enjoyed that episode. Uh, so this is the penultimate episode before our Christmas, isn't it? So we've got one more episode before Christmas. One more episode before Christmas? Yeah, maybe. I have no idea what the schedule is, Ryan. I'm just going to yeah. agree with you. Well, so we have one more, which you've written, uh, which is our next episode. And that's the one that's going out, I think, on the 24th or on Christmas Day. Yeah. So it's one of those. What's it about? It is literally the story of Christmas quite literally the story of Christmas have you ever sat there and wondered like why do we celebrate Christmas what's this about and most people go because of Jesus well friends you would be wrong Jesus is a kind of part of it but not really so I saw you know that uh, comedian lad on TikTok who does like the funny videos the historical stuff and he's got that like funny high pitched voice Mm. Um, I saw a hilarious uh, video that he posted on Twitter yesterday or so and it's of um, a bunch of pagans just celebrating, um, like, you know, a winter solstice. And they're like, oh, yeah. it's like winter solstice. And then all you hear is Jesus walk in the door. Uh, excuse me, get out, everyone. This is my party now. <laughs> and they're like, what? You can't do that. He's like, I'm the son of God and it's my birthday. And they're like, it's your birthday in like May. He went, well, I've just decided it's now today. So get yeah, out. <laughs> this is the thing. Like, it's a Christian holiday, but there's so much more to it. So so the story kind of revolves around St. Nicholas, who was a real guy. And it's sort of how that developed into Santa Claus, as we know today, and why we celebrate Christmas. It's a really interesting story. I liked Ryan Gitzer. So. Excellent. All right. So look forward for that next episode. Um, we'll have a little chat about how the year went on the next episode as well and just see how we're getting on. Um Alrighty, so make sure you follow us on all the socials if you do not do so already. Uh, make sure if you would like to, you can uh, donate to the show on the Kofi page, which would be massively helpful. And if you'd like to pick up some merch ready for Christmas, uh, make sure you get that order in now and get it there ASAP so you can wear a hoodie because it's getting bitterly cold um, in the UK Fucking especially. Mm. So mm. thank you very much for listening, everyone, and we will see you on the next episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.